Hello and welcome to The Last Standy, a board game podcast coming to you from three exciting countries across Europe. So today I'm joined uh, today I'm joined here by Alessio. Hello. Audrey. Hi everyone. And I am your host, Alexis. Uh, we'll be talking about a range of different topics across the hobby, and today we'll start with seeing how everyone is doing in the Standy Roundup. Wow. So, how are you doing yourself, Alessio? Ah, rather good. Thank you for asking. Uh, last time I checked, it was the catch-up. So, we are rounding up the catch-up. Okay, I, I like these changes. Fan Reigns of Terror is finished, finally. <laughs> so, uh, actually, I've been doing a pretty lot of stuff, but I'll just condense it in a few things because it's been a long time. So, I got Rift Force Beyond Expansion. Of course, there's no way the Capstone Games is uh, releasing stuff uh, in English across the pond. So, I got the German edition and I translated myself. And I translated it myself. So <laughs> I have a German expansion. Uh, luckily, the in-game text is very, very, very low. Basically, there's no in-game text, so it was easy. And it's a great expansion. I got another couple of good games, but uh, uh, the, the most interesting things, thing I have been doing these days uh, was backing on game found the game Philosophy which is a very interesting pitch. It's uh, two friends uh, discussing an argument uh, with, uh, uh, with, by placing tiles, and tiles uh, represent arguments, and when one uh, wins the argument, the other says, oh, I see, and the game is over. It's uh, very, a very fun concept, so I, I backed it. I hope it's a good game. <laughs> so that's uh, basically me. There's probably a lot of... Uh, of other stuff uh, I would probably like to say, but, uh, well, the, the most important thing is, uh, well, we need Patreons. <laughs> we uh, we have a Patreon, you know, and uh, we And are we like having Patreons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is basically a, a, an amateur endeavor, so uh, everything uh, helping with covering up expenses uh, is very appreciated uh, we don't uh, shamelessly self-advertise so i'm just shamelessly begging here but uh, <laughs> the important part is uh, if if you like the last and the podcast uh, and you want to buy us a coffee or something like that go to our patreon page we will recap the, this at uh, the at the end of the episode and uh, just help us that would be very much appreciated <laughs> we were more likely to forget uh, to mention our patreon oh. than to uh, plug it yeah that uh, that's patreon.com forward slash the last and anyway any, any help to cover mostly the costs of hosting the podcast is always appreciated thank you yeah, thank you, thank you all, and thank you to our uh, Patreon. You uh, brought us here, so thank you, everyone. And uh, that's everything I had to say. So, what have you been up to, Alexis? Uh, myself, not too much recently. Um, I just received yesterday the um hardback edition of Cyborg, um, the uh, Morgborg, uh, well, the, the inspired by Morgborg cyberpunk uh, game made by uh, John North, the Morgborg creator. It is 
really cool. Uh, obviously, it's yeah, it's, it's already getting mods, so it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mogbog has, has generated a lot of uh, attention over the, um, uh, the RPG community. So a lot of people are making their own modules and stuff, which is great. Uh, and the game itself looks beautiful. Uh, the, the book is incredibly cool. It is very small, but extremely chunky. So um, uh, it's around, I would say it's around twice as thick as uh, Mogbog, the, the base game. Uh, anyway, it's it's really fun. Uh, the illustrations are gorgeous. The the manufacturing has been uh, done to a T. It's honestly it's one of the the coolest uh, RPG book I own, which I'm pretty happy about. I also received the uh, artback edition of a uh, uh, Demon Bone Sarcophagus, the newest game by Patrick Stewart. Not that one. Um, <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> It is not that one. It is uh, just, just an RPG creator that is called uh, Patrick Stewart. And, the, the, uh, the, man for funny. the man of the facepalm gift, right? The animated gift, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is also an incredibly uh, fun book. This one is more of an OSR uh, single adventure exploring uh, an underground tomb. Uh, people might know uh, Patrick Stewart from his book um, Veins of the Earth, which is a book exploring the how to play um, an RPG game into a cavern and what kind of weird creature might live in cavern. And it's like a very speleological exploration of cavern systems and trying to push how those should be very different from dungeons. The idea of like... Uh, small crevices that you have to uh, slinker and sliver into to uh, arrive at massive um, caverns that are five times bigger than a cathedral and then uh, having to dive into an underground lake to uh, uh, spelunk under some hidden tunnels. Like there's, there's some really fun ideas that give a lot of flavor to uh, a game that happens in a cave and i would say that it's probably one of my favorite rpg book uh in terms of content uh, rather than just look uh, and uh, demon bone sark vegas so far really fun uh, i would recommend people to have a look at it uh, in any case just lots of rpg not a lot of um board game recently but um what about uh you audrey uh, for me, yeah, not a lot uh, either, um, because yeah, still work uh, is making me busy. Uh, we haven't managed to play any games when my husband has, uh, he was sick, uh, he ended up being sick when we had something planned, uh, so which was a big shame. Uh, I've been following the uh, Tainted Grey newest uh, Kickstarter. Uh, I really like the daily stretch goals thing that they do, uh, because I feel that there is less pressure, uh, less, yeah, it's less bumping out and promoting add-ons everywhere which i really enjoy it doesn't seem that there won't be any uh, or a lot of add-ons on this campaign which i think is great having something let's say tighter uh, in is in my opinion always uh, appreciated and the fact that they are putting all of these mini expansions uh, in the base pledge makes things more linked together as they say so i really like it uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a very positive signal. Yeah, in in my opinion, that's really really something very positive. 
beyond that, um, I'm planning some role-playing games. I had a Starfinder game. Um, we're going to end the D&D campaign very soon, mastered by my husband. And I'm looking at some friends uh, going completely crazy over the Secret World uh, RPG Kickstarter campaign, uh, which sadly isn't very, let's say, French-friendly due to... Yes? Is it the Secret World uh, inspired by the uh, ancient Funcom video game. Oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, it's a five edition uh, setting and rule set. Uh, fifth edition. Um, and um, yeah, the, the main problem that the main problem that my friends have is that it's um, the books are hosted through drive-through RPG, so it means that uh, when you do the Kickstarter campaign, you will get a voucher that will allow you to print uh, one book at cost uh, by drive-through, and then if you want extra copies, it will be at a higher cost, but there aren't hardbacks. Uh, for every country and stuff like that. So he, it seems to be a bit, let's say, complicated for backers, while in the same time it's convenient for the project makers since they just don't have to bother about printing, about logistics, anything. It's all handled by uh, drive through. So I think it's a really uh, double edged uh, decision. Yeah, it's also environmentally friendly, but it has to be said that uh, all environmentally friendly initiatives are always paid by the end buyer, and that it's not that right. Yeah, it's it's really I I don't really know uh, how things are going to to end up there, but yeah. So that's it. We move from local catch-up news to global news we have a lot of news yeah, yeah it's been an eventful uh, few weeks yeah uh, shall i begin i i have one sure. i want to i want to go record. for it Alessio. yeah <laughs> so first news is for beyond the sun uh, fans because basically uh, ken hill from rio grande games uh, moved to eagle griffon games uh, Probably people who follow BGG have stumbled into Ken because Ken was a very supportive product manager and a co-designer of a lot of games and very involved with Rio Grande Games and Rio Grande Games presence on BGG. So uh, a lot of people was, of course, alarmed by Ken Hill moving to Eagle Gryphon Games and... Uh, these days there has been a lot of discussion and talk in the Beyond the Sun forums because uh, uh, Ken Hill was overseeing the production of the uh, much-awaited expansion which should have been announced this summer. Uh, it is uh, of course delayed, probably delayed exactly because Ken Hill uh, moved. But anyway, uh, to, re to reassure people, of course the designer of Beyond the Sun is Dennis K. Chen, who is still... Uh, on Rio Grande Games payroll and with exclusive with uh, Beyond the Sun. So there's really not much to worry about. Production might, might have been delayed, uh, stuff might be postponed, but uh, at the moment there's not a lot to worry about, except that, of course, that's a, uh, that's a, a good deal for a bargain for Eagle Gryphon Games because Ken Hill is very precious as a person. So that's it. First news. Yeah, 
I I didn't know uh, him too much, but uh, from what I've heard, he's been uh, quite uh, quite popular on BGG. So I hope that uh, things are going to be uh, all right for his future. Yeah, but, but basically, uh, Rio Grande Games, you must trust them that uh, uh, in a year they always make a hit game. So uh, Ken was uh, a key figure in uh, making these games uh, and. Let's hope that uh, things turn out the best for Eagle Gryphon Games and for Rio Grande. Uh, anyway, uh, another, yeah. On another uh, side news, something that has been uh, quite good recently is that uh, container costs and uh, shipping costs from uh, Asia seems to have finally started to uh, come down. Uh, the prices have been, uh, I think, at their best place in the past two years. Uh, recently, so we can hope that finally the, the container crisis is over and that uh, board games uh, price inflation is not going to uh, become too much of a thing for the next year. Are you kidding me? You, do you mean that there's good news in the world today? Yeah, it's we, we have to take them when they come. Incredible. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh... I have another news! Yeah? It comes from a small uh, board game design and publishing company, which is called Doomsday Robots. Uh, they have published two games so far, which are called Zoography sorry, and Bridges to Nowhere. I haven't heard of these games, uh, but I saw relayed on uh, Facebook um, communities that they published a publisher pledge uh, which is basically how they plan to let's say bring ethics uh, into their crowdfunding campaigns um, which uh, is very backer oriented uh, such as their promise to use the backer funds only for the project until delivery is complete, that backers will have a first delivery, uh, that they don't want to censor uh, backers' communication, which for this one, I mean, it should be uh, not an issue, but okay. Uh, all of all the, uh, the two previous ones, um, uh, the one about funds is an obvious, but the one about backers being first to have the product sometimes can be air eh, when it's one or two months. I personally don't mind, but... Uh, okay, and uh, they choose to accurately represent shipping costs, uh, even if they subsidize them, which I think is interesting. Uh, they don't want to create unrealistic funding goals, which will bring us to the next piece of news, maybe. Um, and they want to provide monthly financial reports to backers to show how the money is being used. I think that is a very interesting one, because I don't recall ever seeing any company uh, do something of the sort. So I think that uh, this promise, uh, this specific one is very interesting and I really, I think I will um, look uh, closely their next crowdfunding campaign just to see how it looks like when a company uh, is honest on that. At least uh, we've not seen that at this level. I recall a few campaigns like trying to be honest with their, their costs and everything, but they seem to go above and beyond uh, 
the the way that campaigns usually yeah. are. Yeah, I recall, I recall seeing past uh, campaigns where they show an estimate of how the cost uh, should uh, be, let's say, split between the different uh, things, but not a monthly report. That's something very different, and I'm very, very curious about that. And the last two promises is that they promise to never make the MSRP of the games lower than the equivalent pledge amount. Um, this one is, in my opinion, fair, but uh, anyway, there will be at some point store discounts or stuff like that, so the games will probably at some uh, specific dates uh, be cheaper at retail uh, than uh, during the crowdfunding campaign, which I don't really mind anyway. And the last one I think is really excellent. They say that they commit to include backers as partners in the process of creation comma and not just pre-order customers and i think that it's really interesting to have that uh, last part which basically says yes we recognize that crowdfunding campaigns are pre-order okay Th this last one is worrisome actually <laughs> no at all it's 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 very good and i hope that more campaigns <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, good recognize news. that i i also um I'm just a little bit worried because a lot of Kickstarter campaigns um, get their funding to hype and they try to lie a bit on their costs sometimes to be like, oh, we only need uh, $30,000 when in truth they probably need a million. But if they say we only need uh, 30,000, uh, 30, uh, they can say that they've been funded in under five minutes and then they can claim that they have been funded at 5,000% and then they could, can go to their investors and use those inflated numbers to try to get more money behind or maybe to try to, to push uh, themselves to the top of Kickstarter because that's a, a metric that uh, Kickstarter used to promote um, uh, Kickstarter. And I think that's that's kind of a... A toxic business uh, not a good way to function but unfortunately that's that's the reality of how uh, kickstarter functions so we have to hope that uh, this this openness and this um, uh, honesty uh, with with backers is not going to backfire in their face and uh, when they don't meet the um, the unfair expectations set by other kickstarter like for example uh, a kickstarter that gives a proper uh, time estimate and a kickstarter that lies and say that they can make in uh, six months what they know should take uh, a year or two uh, well the first kickstarter that said that they will take two years might not get the same backing as the one that say well you have your stuff in six months and then uh, you know it's not delivered um, i i don't know if there's a good solution to that but that's something that we need to keep an eye on and speaking of kickstarter that inflated their uh, cost values uh, recently we have had a pretty big news uh, coming from uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance um, which was made by I don't remember More True Better Studio yes the uh, one be behind Project L by by the way uh, yes yeah uh, you, you know that story better unless you're sorry oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> of course of uh, many of you could know that Kingdom Come Deliverance OK was, uh, is a video game, pretty popular actually, and uh, there's a board game adaptation which was being uh, licensed to uh, Borku Better Studio. They made a Kickstarter campaign. I have to say it looked interesting for some aspects, but I waited to check it because I... Uh, it was very confusing. 
uh, the, the, the entire game was described on broad strokes there were a few reviews kind of of some aspects which weren't really saying anything um, the entire campaign I, I didn't understand what kind of game uh, uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance uh, was going to be anyway uh, they had uh, a very low and unrealistic uh, funding goal uh, i think on the 50 uh, on the fifty thousand dollars or something like that they uh, funded in the usual uh, tot minutes uh, some hours or whatever and uh, they reached uh, like uh, some uh, uh, hundreds of dollars of funding uh, and they were going rather stable uh, so after a while, uh, Bork Better Studio just folded. They made a post on Kickstarter where they announced that uh, they weren't going to make it. They were shutting down the project and everyone was going to be refunded because they, they really just uh, set the funding goal uh, low because they wanted to advertise it as uh, funded in 10 minutes but uh, after all uh, they, they weren't going to cover all the costs and they were going to fail so they just folded and that's it uh, as a result of this the entire Bork Better studio which uh, was actually a decent studio uh, they made project l after all we talked about it you talked about it alexis <laughs> uh, yeah exactly and uh, and the borku studio is closing so uh, they, they promise that this is not the last time we hear from them but uh, it's probably the last time we are from borku studio and uh, that's it speak about uh, unrealistic crowdfunding goals yeah it's very unfortunate uh, especially since they they jumped from a uh, project l that was a really simple small little game that i think that cost maybe 30 euros i i want to say like very small price and then they jumped into something that was uh way bigger that was way more into the the hundred of uh, euro uh, price range with kingdom come and i think that they didn't really have the means to jump there and the promotion behind it was uh way too optimistic and obviously like lying about their stretch goals is not a good idea the problem is that i don't i can't really blame them for that because that's that's what the uh, that's what the the business is like at the moment like you need to lie about your your thing because otherwise you don't get the backing and yeah you I have think to, that's something you have to that's... play the game if you want to get something out of it yeah exactly and i think that's something that kickstarter needs to definitely uh look at i mean the the company uh has had a lot of issues to handle recently and they've not done uh, that great of a job but i think that's something that has been uh, more and more of an issues recently and I hope that Kingdom Comes uh, failing at least will uh, maybe bring about some change into the, the business um, we'll have to see how that uh, how that comes yeah speaking of uh, weird business practices uh, there is one last item of news we wanted to, to bring up to attention 
which is Yellow and Yangtze, which is a famous Grail game we talked about from the aptly named Grail Game House, uh, is going to be uh, reprinted under the name of Huang, H-U-A-N-G. Uh, this is extremely good news because if you are a Rainer Mixia fan or you just want to play the physical board game of Yellow and Yaxi, uh, you probably know that it's out, it has been out of production uh, for ages and the costs on the secondary market are exaggerated. Like, uh, uh, you could buy, when there was the Whale Riders Kickstarter, which was the last Kickstarter bundling Yellow and Yancy, you could get Yellow and Yancy for like $15 or like 20 Australian dollars. So uh, a really low price, you, you can see you can see uh, ads in the geek market for like one hundred dollars or so. So uh, it's extremely expensive, and it's a very good game. So it's beautiful news that it's getting reprinted. However, uh, there's a problem with licensing because uh, Doctor Knizzi actually licensed it to uh, Grey Games. Uh, but uh, but uh, in the end, uh, Grey Games just sold it uh, in Kickstarter to countries they weren't allowed to. So the, the new Kickstarter, which will bring Wang, will be available only in the UK, France, Poland and US. So it will still have limited distribution, but we can get around that. So... On the on overall, this is good news, and that's it. And that's it for the news. Um, let's move back and talk about some uh, alchemy game that uh, Audrey uh, wants to to discuss. Yes, uh, I'm bringing today the game Artificium, uh, which is a game uh, designed by Timofey Shargorodsky. If I say it properly, uh, my French tongue isn't really made for, let's say, Slavic uh, names. And uh, a fun fact is that he's also the designer of the game. Uh, the game has been published by Asmodee and Lifestyle Board Games. And it's a quite a simple game, uh, which is made of alchemy, combining different components to upgrade them into other components. Um, the components of the game, not of the alchemy, are quite simple. You have a big board, which is basically a turn uh, counter and points, uh, small boards for each player to track which resources they have, and cards. Each player takes a board, then the game plays in um, four turns, and each turn will play the same. There is a phase of draft where the players get cards from a common market uh, at the middle. Then there is a card playing phase where the players play their cards to upgrade their resources. And they gain points when they do the uh, resources upgrades. And rinse and repeat four times. That's all there is to know uh, for this game on how the turns go. Then. The interesting part is the player board. You have uh, different uh, boxes where you can put some uh, little um, 
acrylic markers like the all these diamond shaped uh, crystals shaped uh, acrylic markers that we can find in many other games and you put them into the boxes to show how many of uh, the resource of that box you have like for instance you have a box of the bread if you have two tokens uh, in it that means that you have two bread and when you play the cards the card will tell you to convert resources into other ones for instance there is a card which tells you to upgrade coal and steel to make a third and there is a point uh, number on this card which says you score five points when you play this card it's just as simple as it is so when you play this card which as i said makes you convert coal and steel into a third you take uh, one marker which is in the coal and you put it back into the bank and you take one marker in the steel and you put that one into the third box or you can do the opposite if you prefer to put the coal back uh, into the bank and upgrade the steel uh, token it's the same <laughs> Exactly. Um, and uh, you have at the very end, you will upgrade uh, wood and um, it's um, uh, a cereal, which, which are the very basic resources. And you have some cards that uh, help you get these resources. Uh, the second uh, tier, let's say, resources are the coal, the bread and meat. And then you have the crystals and the third. And uh, at the end, you have a sword and alchemy, uh, some kind of potions. And you can, uh, at the very, very end, convert some of these and one token, which are also coins when you have them out of your board. What, what, what's the wizard and the fire? Yeah, I'm around? coming to yeah. it! <laughs> <laughs> at the very end, you can convert. Oh no, I said, uh, I think I said. Um, um, the second tier resources there is beer actually which is very important because at the very end you have the powerful card which lets you convert either a sword or, or a potions and a beer and a coin to get a wizard or a knight and when you get a wizard you get to draw uh, I don't remember exactly how many but it's something like draw eight cards keep five or something like that and if you do a knight you get to uh, take uh, eight points out of uh, someone else and each of these guys uh, directly also make you get five uh, oh no, not five eight points so these are like the score that's where you score big when you use the knight or the mage and to make them you have to take your cereal convert it into beer upgrade some coal into etc etc that's the main thing of the game there is just one last uh, specialty it's that some of the cards are action cards they're a bit uh, specific and they can let you uh, retake uh, redraw one card of your discard steal a card to some for, from someone um, stuff like that uh, yeah th th this is uh, this is a really uh, resource manipulation is a cool mechanic uh, when you manage to change something to something else with the game yeah uh, it's yeah it's really fun one thing that i really like about the game i think that you you showed it to me uh last time i, I visited probably you. Um, or the one before the last, because last time was just Midara, Midara, Midara. <laughs> <laughs> Midara for hours and hours. Uh, one thing that I, I kind of um, really liked about this game is, I, I don't really know what it is about its artwork, but it kind of reminds me of those um, isometric uh, strategy game, a bit like a Warcraft 3. 
And there's just a very like cartoony, uh, cute little aspect to every building that is displayed on those cards that is just uh, inherently uh, exciting, I think. Okay. Yeah, it looks like a 90s uh, game with the aesthetic and it, it plays with some nostalgia. You, you know, I, I never thought of that, but they look like Warcraft 3 human buildings, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway... Yeah. Overall, yeah. I don't think it's a very, let's say, impressive game that's going to let you uh, spend hours and hours on it. The interaction between players is extremely low. It's just a, ba a, a drafting battle. And maybe if you get a card that allows you to manipulate the cards of the other players. But I think by now you guys all know that I like uh, low interaction games uh, most of the time. Steel cards, steel uh, resources, right? That's uh, the I, I, I don't remember if you can really steal uh, resources. Um, you can randomly pick a card from any player card. Uh, you can return another card that you have played this turn to your hand. You can, uh, yes, manipulate a bit the resources of the other players by paying coins, or you can just get coins depending on how many cards you've played. Yeah, I'm under the impression that the economy of the actions of the conversions you do is like a long chain of stuff. So get, losing a resource because someone stole it or just uh, moved it or removed it, it could be quite frustrating. It, it I can think. be terrible, yes. <laughs> yeah. And when I went over BGG, we have a game has a rating of 6, which is not very exceptional. Uh, one of the complaints that was there, which um, I, I had not, let's say, formalized myself, but I totally agree with, is that if the cards you get before you have that drafting phase, because you get a hand and then you can draft and exchange stuff, um, if you are unlucky with your hands, you, you can't be completely um, messed up for the turn and you have no ways to recover in the rules. There is no mulligan in the rules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that could lead to actually some people being disappointed from their first start, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and uh, on the positive side, however, I think that this is the... Uh, I, I cannot think of other... Uh, except maybe Res Arcana, which is another kind of resource manipulation game, but that's a racing game, so it's uh, a bit different. Very different. Yeah. Uh, it's the only game who gets to a player count of six with building an engine and plays in less than an hour. Yeah, I, I really like this about uh, Artificium from the, the way that I looked at it uh, at the very least. The game seems to be easy to transport, easy to explain, easy to play. It's just, uh, it's very nice. I always appreciate a game that has um, a score counter, um, like a little uh, track race. Uh, I think that's that's always a good way to keep track of who's winning at the moment. I I find that a lot of games that don't have it often you just finish a game and then you you look at your your points you count them and then you realize that oh I was twenty points behind and I could have have won when you have a track counter at the very least you you know where you are and there can be a little bit more interaction uh, so, and so you know who to play. target with your knight exactly <laughs> the so, so so you can get the present here earlier. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the artwork is uh, pretty decent also because it's made by the designer. So 
kudos to, for that because I always appreciate when that happens. Uh, not a lot of people have this talent. Ryan Lockett is another famous one. Uh, but uh, one thing I have to say against the materials of this game is that they use uh, gems, those plastic gems, for everything. Right? You put you you put it in uh, coal, it's coal. You put it uh, outside uh, the board, it's money and stuff. It's always a gem, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is. On one hand, is very practical because you don't have to move around a lot of different components. It on helps the make end, the game cheaper. On the other hand, why it has to be those gems, those polygonal gems, those tokens, they are the worst token ever. <laughs> just give me cardboard cylinders. And if you ever drop your board, you can just remember which was where. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not uh, kid resistant or cat resistant. Yes, we're talking about you, cat. <laughs> uh, say hi to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's all for Artificium, and we're going to be able to go to the next game where Alexis is going to talk to us about the resistance. Yes. Uh, well, I was, we were just talking about back uh, backstepping people. Uh, the resistance is the perfect game for that. So this is a hidden role game uh, made by uh, Don Eskridge uh, in 2009. Uh, it's the same people that made uh, the resistance Avalon and just recently uh, Dune the Betrayal. Uh, I think that you might uh, start to pick up a team at some point. Uh, it's a very fun take on the hidden uh, agenda uh, type game. Um, the base game, not so much, but it comes with a couple of expansion that I think uh, bring something to the genre that is kind of missing. So uh, the base idea is that you have uh, five rounds. You have um, uh, for most game you have. Um, a minority of spies and a majority of resistance people. You have a leader that is assigned every turn. The leader is going to uh, send a group of people into a mission. Uh, I think that's first it's two people, then three, then four, then three, then four. Uh, and the point is that the leader is going to choose who is going to go there. And if any of the people that go there uh, decide to make the mission fail, the mission fails. Uh, obviously, the votes are done um, secretly. The game is pretty interesting because it gives a lot more information than uh, Werewolf. Uh, I, I enjoy Werewolf uh, as anybody, but mostly for the social aspect. I think that as a game, you don't get a lot of information and a lot of good reason to distrust someone. And that often uh, with the wrong group of people, it can really... Um, end up being a bit of a, oh, I know you because you always lie. Uh, oh, I, I don't trust you because you betrayed me last round. It can turn a little bit petty with the wrong group, group of people. With the resistance, you get some information. You have a leader that is assigned every turn that's going to assign people. Uh, I think that the game pre, uh, preludes... Um, uh, oh, what's, what's that game? Uh, Secret Hitler. Um, but the, the resistance kind of uh, builds on, uh, well, I created that ID and uh, started that kind of trend where you need to select a few people to trust them and they can decide to betray you or not. 
there's an expansion that comes uh, with the game that's it's called... called Among Us. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, the expansion is called uh, The Plot Thickens. Oh uh, no! And it it is uh, really good actually. I really like it because it adds uh, um, plot cards that the leader can assign uh, every turn. I think that it's one the first turn, then two, then three, uh, something like that. Um, and the idea is that the leader cannot give himself a plot card. So he needs to trust people and to know where to give those cards that can have a certain amount of power. For example, uh, being able to uh, read the card of someone else or uh, being able to uh, uh, decide that a team is now uh, do a vote of no confidence and decide that a team that has been set up is not good and that uh, force people to, uh, to do the to remake a new team and change the leadership. Uh, those powers are quite strong. And what's good is that you kind of are incentivized to use them uh, as soon as you can and to be as effective as you can. Uh, while in, in other game, for example, uh, Werewolf, because that's that's pretty much the, um, the, the star of the genre there. Yeah, the standout. Um, often you kind of don't want to reveal your uh, role too early because you can get killed and if you get killed on the first turn and the game lasts kind of long because there's a lot of people you can just stay on the um, on the back seat for like i don't know 30 minutes uh it's not really fun in the resistance everybody is constantly active even if you have been outed as a spy it's never a certain information unless you played uh, pretty badly and the runs are pretty pretty short. I think that it's between 20 and 30 minutes to have a full game. Uh, overall, I'd say that's maybe not the best uh, Eden Roll game, but definitely one that I, I always enjoy playing with the family, especially with the expansion that come with. But uh, in 2012, I think, that was just me checking. Yes, 2012. <laughs> um, Don Eskridge released another game called Avalon the Resistance. Uh, and that one takes place in Avalon with the Arthurian legend. I wouldn't it have adds... guessed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it adds uh, a few uh, additional rules. It reuses a lot of the good stuff from uh, the Resistance. I like the team a little bit less. The Resistance, the original one, is uh, set up in this uh, sort of grim cyberpunk uh, scene. It's about uh, people resisting some, um, some like a, a, what is it, a corrupt government uh, with a government spy within their rank. Avalon is about uh, knights and monsters. It's a little bit less attracting to me, but. Uh, it's quite a fun game, and a lot of people like it and see it as a like direct improvement of the Resistance. Uh, I've not uh, played it myself because I've I've always enjoyed the Resistance, but I think Alessio did. Uh, yeah, I, I played quite a lot in my time of the Resistance Avalon. Uh, I have to say I always thought it was just a reskin of the Resistance, so I don't know about the other rules, but. Uh, uh, we can say that the Resistance Avalon just builds up on the concept of the original werewolf game and uh, its hidden roles. 
I have to say, uh, you have uh, the, the two teams, uh, the Spies uh, are the Mordred's Knights. Uh, now, uh, I have played the, the Italian version as usual, so I will probably try to guess the names in English, but they are the Knights loyal to Mordred, and the other side is the Knights loyal to uh, King Arthur. Uh, there's uh, basically all the updated roles uh, you can see in this uh, in this kind of games. Uh, I played this game so much that I actually have an opinion of on how easy it is to win as the uh, Black Knights, because uh, unless the Merlin player is very good. Uh, you know, Merlin is the one who knows all the name of all the Black Knights, but uh, if uh, he exposes himself, he just gets killed in, uh, he just get killed immediately, so uh, he doesn't do anything with that. So, uh, the, let's say the uh, air quotes good guys only have the... Um, only, only have the, the Merlin player to defend themselves because uh, uh, the Resistance Avalon is a bit skewed towards uh, the Spies Black Knights. Uh, so that's basically the game. If you have a good Merlin player, you can win. If you have a bad Merlin player, you will probably lose. Of course, that, that depends, but in the end, when the group is consolidated, when you play with family, people who know themselves and so on, uh, yeah, really your only chance is to have a good Merlin player. Yeah, that seems quite different from the Resistance, because there's no player that knows every role in, the, in that oh, game. Oh, okay, uh, okay. It's, it's so a very different... Yeah. Um, uh, dynamic and yeah. as I as I mentioned, there's no like special power that people have. It's just the plot cards that are assigned by the the leader. So I think that both games are probably uh, different from the way that you explain it. Yeah, uh, you, I've you, had a better experience with the resistance. Yeah, you, uh, you probably but... have uh, you probably have more. Uh, you 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 then uh, the, the rules upgrade is probably the player roles because you have Mordred, you have Morgana, you have. Uh, uh, Merlin, you have Parsifal, you have a lot of special powers. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I would say that um, those kind of games, it's not so much about having a very solid set of rules. It's more about the the social and fun aspect. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, pretty much all the time, that's that's what's going to uh, make those games fun. The, there um, are uh, there are three big games which are party games uh, everyone loves and they are secret hitler uh one night ultimate werewolf which i think is the that's best that's the best werewolf yeah, yeah yeah probably and the resistance avalon which are the three most famous and most played uh, at least for what i know and they are all deserving to be played yeah um audrey uh i know that you have not played uh the resistance or maybe once uh probably once uh, a very three. very long time ago yes yeah uh, i've never uh i don't remember if you ever mentioned if you like uh, those kind of social direction games or not i, I don't think so but uh, maybe I'm wrong. i used to like playing shadow hunters uh a long while ago uh yeah due to because i, I uh, like uh, in werewolf for instance i don't like you have uh, the deduction having to deduct and stuff without any clues i don't really like that um the thing with the resistance is i'm going to say 
meh for me because I'm not good at mastermind and this kind of deduction, you see. So if that it failed at that time and there were these people and... Mm, no. So, Shadow Hunter with uh, green question cards uh, is a bit better for me. And yeah, there was Bang also. Oh, I love <laughs> Bang. Bang is great. I, yes, same for me. I, I think that the game needs to have some ways of giving some information and do, doing something with the deduction. It can't just be people being bad liars because that's, that's very unreliable. Yeah, I really liked Bang as well uh, a long while ago. And yeah, that was more than 10 years ago. I'm feeling old now. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, th th this is actually party social deduction games because th there are a lot of other social deduction games we already covered, like The Thing, Infection at Outpost 31, uh, that fan win at the last turn. On yeah, the that, yeah damn that's, quite a, that's quite a bigger one, though, because it lasts like a good hour and hour and a half but it's a lot of fun um that's that's kind of like the evolution of the uh, one the genre, thing that one thing that for me was a, a very fun part of shadow hunters was uh, uh destroying the hp of one person and then uh saying oh but you're not dead yet but <laughs> who is well still, that's mean yeah who can who can still exist that has more hp than that who oh, oh no you're the vampire ah <laughs> i really like this, these moments yeah i think that that games like this need to have uh, some mechanical fun with it and not just uh being whatever trying to to just suss out who has the red card um yeah. so is the resistance recommended uh, I would say that's a big recommendation for me, and I would say I'd recommend the Resistance more than the Resistance Avalon, according to to your opinion of the Resistance Avalon. Oh, but yeah. I would need to play it at some point. Yeah, I, and I would need to play the Resistance. I actually said the negative, but this negative is uh, coming from experience. So if you play the Resistance Avalon, you'll have many, many plays and have a blast until someone will drop the curtain for you. I would I would say for the resistance though, uh, do try to grab the expansion. Uh, they're not that expensive. I think that uh, the resistance usually comes with at least one. Uh, they're very fun and they add a lot of uh, breath to the game. Um, in any case, I think that's all the time that we have for this episode. So you can catch us at patreon.com slash thelastandy or at thelastandy on Twitter. And uh, until next time, we have been the last ND. That's a goodbye from Alessio. Uh, bye. <laughs> from Audrey. Bye bye. She's gone. She's well, gone, man. I I'll yeah. insert an ancient uh, Audrey uh, goodbye. I, I said bye bye. <laughs> we didn't heard it. Oh, I think Audacity picked it, but not Discord. Uh, that, that's fine. It will it will sound great on the recording. No, keep it. Uh, oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> no, no, cut. And from myself. And remember that the second E in Standy stands for Anisio. Uh, actually, whatever. I was thinking of experiment, but it has not uh, much sense now. That doesn't so stop by experience. <laughs>